Good afternoon, guys, and welcome to uh, another episode of the FitPro Daily. So this week's one's a little bit different, okay, because it's the first time I've ever had two people on the show at the same time, and it's also the first time we're doing it in the brand new office layout. Um, so James and Claire, welcome to the show. How are you? How are things? Oh, Thank hi, you. David. We're great. Thanks. How are you doing? Thanks for having I'm us. Doing okay. That That's looks okay. amazing. Your background looks amazing. Your new office space. Yeah, your office is fab. Yeah, I think Willow did an okay job painting. I've not found any mistakes just yet. I'll I'll have a better better look next time. Cool. Uh, I often start every episode off by asking, how's the weather? It's literally raining here in Wales all the time, but there's a lot of light coming. So is it quite nice where you are? We are lucky enough to split our time between um, London in spring and summer and Marbella for winter. So we are currently oh. in Marbella and it is about 20 degrees <laughs> and sunny. <yeah. laughs> everyone switches off at this point and thinks, I, I don't like them already. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm guessing it's definitely warmer than it is here in, in rainy, wet Cardiff. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. no, we're really... We'll try and send some sunshine your way. <laughs> Appreciate, appreciate it. Okay, so um, we start every episode off by just quickly finding out how you both or how the person got started in the fitness industry. So just quickly, how did you both kind of get started? Well, you go first because you always were. I was not into fitness yeah, for so uh, years. I, I got into fitness. I, I went to a school that was basically made sport compulsory, and there was a lot of sport. So I kind of came into it that way, and and um, I guess at that time it was quite advanced, even at like schoolboy level, extra training around things like you know, playing rugby, but having like gym sessions, stuff like that. So I got an early grounding into into fitness via training for sports. Um, that passion carried on with me through university, kind of dabbled in other stuff. Long, I mean, long story short, I went on to have like corporate career doing other things. But in 2011, just thought, oh, I want a bit more from life than this. So I jacked everything in, moved to Ibiza, we qualified again as a PT. So I qualified as a fitness instructor way back. Um, so to got my PT calls and set up a business running fitness holidays in Ibiza. But came wow. with a totally new model at the time. Because before then, um, boot camps being that exactly that boot camp is kind of, you know, we'll feed you rice and beans and beast you all day long. So yes, you'll lose loads of weight, but you won't really understand the how or why. So we came at it from partnering with like a five-star hotel, um, there's yes there's healthy food but if you want to have a burger go fill your boots we're going to educate you on the whole nutrition part we're going to give you all the mindset tools as well and keep the training really varied so it was it, obviously been really successful and, uh, over a decade later yeah we're still still here well I did yeah and I didn't really qualify I was in um, PR for years like fashion PR and stuff and I hated it for years and I was doing all um like the mindset stuff so I was trying I became a coach for Microsoft I was doing loads of different things, trying to get out of PR, you know, like stress management consultant in the city, all these things on the side. And then um, it was actually for me a personal experience. I went through um, a divorce um, and I was put on antidepressants like um, pretty much straight away. I was going through a really hard time. And I was like, I don't want to be on these for the rest of my life. Like, what else can Mm. I do? I wasn't really into fitness or nutrition, didn't know much about it. And then started looking after myself. I got a PT, started strength training, started eating well, like getting really into my nutrition. Um, and I was able to come off the antidepressants and I was just like hooked. So then I re-qualified in PT, nutrition, like tr- nutrition and moulded my coaching and my PT and nutrition stuff together. And that's what we bring to the retreats business now and our online coaching. So a bit of a blend. But I, I didn't start the business with James. James started it. Um, before I came along. 
when did I come along into your world? About seven about years seven ago. Years yeah, ago. about seven years ago, I joined James over in Ibiza when I'd, I'd been qualified for about three years and then two or three years and then joined James and Ibiza and we ran retreats together and then started in Marbella as well. Nice, yeah. So everything was going okay up until lockdown, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, you could say that, David. I mean, we were looking, you know, going, going into... 2020? Yeah, 2020. We were like, oh, well, this, this season's looking amazing. Amazing. You know? We're like, like almost booked. 80% booked for the season already, you know, because our model was we... We kind of run um, retreats in Marbella through the winter, like January, February, March. Then from Easter onwards, we'd be in Ibiza with pretty much a retreat uh, every week, at least sometimes two a week, sometimes even Exhausting. three a week. That so, was too much. <laughs> hey, and then and then this thing, COVID, started appearing in the news. And we were like, no, it won't come to much. Uh, no, and don't then, worry. of course, we all know what happened. The world shut down. So we were left in a really um, uh, unenviable position of of not only, of course, no no new requests for bookings coming in, obviously, but refunding but having to refund everyone back for for that season, and actually then then for the season after as well. But pleased to say it's it's picking up again now. Um, we've got retreat in a in a couple of weeks here in Marbella, um, and we're getting loads of inquiries through for Ibiza. So we're taking a, a softly softly approach to this season. We're just gonna, I think, just go Do like one a month or something at the moment. See how it all pans out. We've all seen how fast things can change with restrictions and so forth. Okay, so let's start right, right, right at the start before you'd even consider it. For people who are maybe watching this or listening and they're like, hmm, what even is a retreat? What, mm. what is a retreat? That's actually a really good question. Uh, I know Claire will want to jump on this. <laughs> I think a retreat is what you make. So my, the first thing to say is like think about personal. about like what experience you want to deliver for your clients, right? You know, mm. it's easy to look at someone else, what someone else is doing, and just like try and replicate it. But actually, think about you know what's my style of doing what I do. You know, this is this this is broadcast for fit pros. You know, what's my approach to training? What's my ethos? How can I encapsulate that in a long weekend or a week? What would I want that experience to be for clients? So start with that. Start with the experience, what you'd want them, you know, the end result that you'd want your clients to walk away with. Yeah. And I think and then, make, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I think making sure that you've you've got you've got a really clear idea of what sets you apart as well. Because I think what's happening is the well-being industry was growing anyway and booming anyway. Now, since COVID and since the last couple of years, like we're seeing a massive boom in wellness again. Um, and retreats are just, people want one-to-one -one connection. Like they're really, really crying out for that one-to-one -one connection. And it's, it's a great opportunity, obviously, to share your gifts with more people, but actually making sure that you're setting yourself apart. Like what makes yours a bit different? How can you bring your own? Because obviously we've both got branding backgrounds as well. So we were in PR, you were in marketing. So actually we know how important it is to try and set yourself apart, which is what you did when you set up your retreats was that kind of, Yes, we're going to give you all the tools to walk away with and um, to help you with a healthy lifestyle, but we're not going to beast you. We're going to, we're going to, that was your USP, wasn't it? Yeah, that does make it quite interesting. Then, so like, like you're saying, you go with your own training philosophy and you make it like your own, own style. Yeah. You're talking about you're doing these retreats in my Marbella and Ibiza, but. I'm a local studio here in Cardiff. Do I have to travel? Do I have to go overseas or could I do it in Bristol or North Wales or up in Scotland or something? You can totally do it in the UK. So we did uh, our, actually last last oh, year, we were amazing. lucky enough in the gap in restrictions to get a retreat away in the UK. Totally July, sold out. Totally sold out. Incredible. We had 20, 22 people on yeah. that, didn't we? So you can, you can do them anywhere. I'd say it's always 
good to get away from your home location because again it's giving your clients something a bit different it's that change of environment which can make them more receptive to what you're teaching but it doesn't have to be a far-flung destination and in some senses you know at the moment the way the world is that farther flung you go potentially mm. the more pitfalls there could be for you but uk based yeah there's definitely a demand for it we saw last year with restrictions still in place like how much demand for uk based holidays Such domestic yeah. travel um the trick is then finding finding like the good venue that's going to work for you and that's the next stage of planning your retreat is actually finding the venue and making sure it's ticking the boxes that you need as well and i would say actually you can even do day retreats so if if you want to dip your toe into something as well mm. um you can do day retreats as well so you can set it up in a, in a style that you would normally do um and then if people do want to stay the night we've done that format as well before we've done a day retreat but then you had an, a, an option to do a little bit the next day as well if you wanted to so you could stay overnight so there's so so many different ways of running a retreat that um could work for you and your your lifestyle that you've got and will work for your clients because everyone's got different clients you might have mums for example that can't get away from their children for that long so you've got to look at the time scales mm. of how long you want your mum's and, you know, not having a retreat, for example, in half term, all those sorts of things you need to consider. So we have uh, the three peaks coming up. I think it's in April, <gasps> May. Would that would that be classed as a retreat of some sort? Say that's more, probably more of a challenge, challenge, right? Because everyone's going to be focused on challenge. Challenge. <laughs> the three peaks. Yeah, uh, and what a challenge it is. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. But what so, you could do... Is, is before that, like a month before, run the Three Peaks prep retreat. Like take everyone away for just like a weekend, one or two days, and just like, you know, uh, some orienteering, some general fitness yeah. trainings, like some bushcraft stuff, you know, things like that. Because we were going to do one for skiing. So we were going to do, um, where we work from, Punta Romano, they also have a sister hotel up in uh, Sierra Nevada. So we were actually going to do like a bit of fitness training down on the beach, getting people prepared to take them then skiing. So... Is there a definition of the three pinks you, you said was a challenge and not a retreat and mm. going away for a couple of days and kind of having the orienteering and all kinds of things? What kind of defines a retreat then so you people can know what the separation really is? I think for like a retreat, again, it is really, it's, I think it's a variation of lots of different things. So it's making sure that the environment, I would say a retreat is making sure, obviously we don't have a, a defined version of a retreat, but actually if you looked in the dictionary, it probably would be somewhere that you go to reconnect with yourself. Um, for us, it's like reconnecting with your body, mind and soul. So we give people the mindset tools, the emotional tools, the spiritual tools, the fitness tools, that like everything. Um, but I think it's a place where people can really reconnect with themselves and ground themselves and learn new things, but a variety of different things as well. And that you've got that really immersive experience. Whereas I think a challenge, for example, like James said, it's just like focusing on that challenge, um, going to sleep, getting up if you can sleep. <laughs> but it's yeah, just kind yeah. of like the one thing, isn't it? So, yeah, so having a few different things going on that people can maybe, yeah. they, if they want to try it, they can. If they don't want to have, to, if exactly. they don't fancy it, they can just almost relax by the pool or whatever. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. You, was, you mentioned earlier that finding the place to stay, that is usually the trickiest part. So we just can't yeah. go and sleep in the tent. Do we have to have a hotel? <laughs> does it have to have a pool? Kind of, how does the accommodation kind of work, really? So again, it's about knowing your market, right? Yeah. So it's going to be like kind of um, looking at looking at your client base. Uh, 
what kind of experience do you think they want? And also like, you know, what's their cost sensitivity? You know, if you're coaching like, you know, really say affluent people and anything, they want a five-star hotel, you want to look for a five-star hotel that's going to have things like a spa and extra services. Or you might want to go, you know, to something that's a bit more, let's get away to the wilds and stay in log cabins and do like natural fitness with like chugging logs around the course or something. So mm. it's about knowing your client base, deciding from there. And then it's finding the venue. So you want to find, uh, there's a, loads of different models. You either hire a whole place outright, which is obviously putting a lot of risk on you to then fill the places. Up front. Or you can go and do a deal with a hotel. Uh, and again, those deals will vary. But there's, there's lots of different models you can look at. Let's say it's about working out what your clients are going to want from their experience first. Like if your clients all love five-star accommodation, there's no point trying to shove them in tents for the weekend. Mm. At the same time, if, you know, £3,000 for a weekend is going to be out of reach for your clients. There's no point pitching that either. So it's about knowing knowing your clients and getting that positioning right. And looking at the risk involved, like can you afford to actually pay for something up front or are you going to have to partner with a hotel where you can pay per room? So as the bookings comes in, you can select an amount of rooms that you think you're going to use and then when the bookings come in, you can take those rooms. Um, obviously, that's a little bit less risky than taking a whole place. But then if... Um, you feel like it feels really right to you to take an, a take a whole place over, so the whole thing is yours. That might be might be more mm. ideal for your clients. So I'm guessing then it's something you probably want to do a bit of research into both, and then chat to your prospects or yeah. your clients. Let's say if it was for DK9 Fitness, talk to the clients at the studio, tell them like these are the few options. Which one do you kind of want to do? If it was if it was yeah. your first one, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. If you're the first one, get up to, like, talk, talk, talk to your clients. Do like the informal, just kind of chatting around to them while, you know, while they're training with you. You know, we're thinking of doing this. How what much kind of things? What kind of things would you like in it? Where? What would you be willing to pay for it? Uh, what kind of food would you like? What kind of accommodation would you like? And then you could get a bit more formal, like you know, send send out little like mini questionnaires to your mailing list as well. You know, using things That's what like we did. We've done that. We've done like that before. Cool. Okay, so. The events of the day then, so we said like walking up Ben Nevis, Snowden, Scaffold Hike, I think it is, is like a challenge where you're talking about chucking logs and going down to the beach and doing some sort of yoga session and all this kind of stuff. How do you come up with these type of events then? Does it have to be like an action-packed day or if you're going away for a weekend, you just have one thing in the morning, one thing in the evening and then the rest of the day is just kind of free-flowing? Um, well, we've kind of mixed it. We've learned as we've gone along. Mm. I think that's also like what, what, you know, why we're quite passionate about talking about this is we've made a ton of mistakes, like a ton of mistakes with stuff like, like the, the schedule, trying to put too much in it or never have we put too little in it because we want to give so many people so much value. And I think that's what most people out there would tend to do is put too much in it. So you want to give all this value away, but actually you're just completely knackering your your people. Um, but, you know, financially we've made loads of mistakes as well. But I think having a real balance of different lengths of times as well. So having like a 15 minute hit in the morning, for example, which is something that we do, a 15 minute hit at sunrise and you go in for breakfast and you have a couple of hours then you might want to do a workshop. And then you might want to do a different form like boxing or so basically just mixing up a lot of different varied ways of training um, that people are going to that might, they may have never done before. So giving them like access to lots of different ways of training, like functional training, boxing, spinning, all that sort of stuff. But making sure that they're they're at the right time. So what you don't want to do is put all your staff like loads of exercise after lunch, do you? You don't want to put loads of exercise after breakfast. You're looking at the energy flow, right? <laughs> you take, you take it from a gym, they're normally like, they're used to working hard with you. But suddenly you're like, right, 
we've got eight hours of solid exercise yeah. back to back for the day. You're basically going to lose a nap. <laughs> so you got to look at that. Like, okay, let's do a big hard session here, but in then the morning. let's have a workshop after that where, you're, where you're, like, your your mind's working, but your body's relaxing. So you're just working about the energy flow of the experience. Yeah, mm. and you know, after lunch, for example, people are always a little bit like slumpy after after lunch. So you're not going to want to necessarily. Um, and you're not going to want to because they've just eaten. You're not going to want to take them out for a massive boxing session or something. So you'll do a short little workshop so their attention spans there, but then get them moving. So, but again, it's completely, you know, depending on what your niche is and who you're training and all that sort of stuff. For example, I always use that example of mums. You know, if they're fairly new mums trying to get back into shape or something, you need to be a bit slower with those. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking now if I was going to run one, like I would almost feel bad if there was periods where there was nothing. So like you say, you do a quick 15 hits, you have breakfast, and then the next event isn't until half 11. What do they do for those, that two-hour gap? <laughs> so I would say you'd be surprised. Like you do need to have, I would say if you're doing like a long weekend or a weekend, you want to cram a lot in because it's a short space time. If you're doing like a week-long retreat, you probably want to leave like an afternoon in the mm. middle of rest, particularly if you're taking people away somewhere else and you're like, oh, you can chill or you can go sightseeing or, you know, whatever. But you'd be surprised people do need that time. The mistake a lot of people make is like, you know, oh, here's session one from nine to 10, session two, 10 to 11, session three, 11. And, you know, you've got to remember that you've got your setup times between that. You've got people yeah. wanting to go, go to the toilet, wanna grab talk some to you, water. Or want to quiz you about things as well. So actually having, making sure that you've got enough space between your sessions as well for all of that stuff is really, really important. But when we run the week-long ones in Ibiza, um, you know, we have things like being out on the water. So like paddle boarding or going for a nice hike again so it's it's just really varied but I know what you mean it's 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 one of those things mm. that you feel bad that you might not have everyone they might not have your attention for the entire time mm. but they don't necessarily want your attention for the entire time they probably come from quite a busy stressful life potentially they just want to have a bit of downtime mm. as well and if yeah. you're in a nice environment they can get to do that as well so I'm thinking of setting a retreat up. I've got a load of ideas from you now. Um, and I've seen a few other companies on Facebook or on the internet say, bring your fitness clients to my retreats. Should you really have a go at setting up your own one or would it be easier just to go and jump straight into someone else's kind of thing? Oh, that's, that's a, a great question. Because we have had people do that for yeah, us, haven't they? It, it, it can be easier to go to someone else's retreat centre. We've, we've hosted other other trainers bringing their clients yeah. to, to run their retreat, and that can work quite nicely. They're, on that kind of model, if you're the trainer, you'll definitely say, I'll go, and this is what I want for my outline, but could you guys provide this bit and this bit? Especially if it's in a foreign country. Especially if it's a foreign country. I think it's just, yeah, what works for you. And that's kind of like a low-risk way to start as well. If you know you're going somewhere where it's all set up already, so you can take your clients in and the facilities are there and there's kind of fallback and having other fit pros there that, you know, they could take some sessions and, and take up some of the slack or maybe cover yeah. areas that you can cover. But then you probably want to have, you know, the flip side of that is you're not in full control of your experience. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a pro. The con is you're not in full control. If you said, oh, you know, I want to make this a DK9 retreat experience, so... I want my team there, I'll be running it. You probably want to find your own venue to do it and take your own team along. And I also think a lot of people don't have the confidence to do it, actually. It's been on their bucket list and they think, you know, they're, they're worried about making costly mistakes, which 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 you can. You know, I know we wish we'd had support when we were, like, 
setting up loads of different things and also not having to go around the houses, like fast tracking it. But I think a lot of people don't have the confidence. They think that it's out of their reach, that it might not be possible for them because they don't know what the timescales are and they don't have like a roadmap. But actually, if you have a roadmap, mm. it can fast track yourself really quickly to get in there. And you've got the things that people don't think about, like the legals. People don't think about having the legals on board, like actually making sure that you're charging enough given your outgoing costs. Yeah. And all those little bits and pieces that people don't think about. But I would say go for it, to be honest, because it's it's changed our lives running them. It really has. And I think it can do so much for your brand. Like it builds your brand. For us, it built the brand profile like so much. Um, and you can make a really decent income. Really decent. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of one of the things we've got around down here was profits. But if you yeah. go back to the, just the simple one then, so I jump on something like uh, Booking.com or Airbnb. I find uh, a nice place in the south of France. I find some flights that go from Bristol or Cardiff down to the south of France. I find some events to do and all this stuff. Do I just make it as one package and just say, guys, if you want to come, it's £350 for the weekend? Or do I just say, uh, you sort your own flights out, all you need to do is pay for the accommodation and the uh, events? Sort your own flights so, out. I would always sort make the, the package excluding travel because getting uh, the travel side is another, a whole other headache. You know, you get people saying, oh, actually, I can't make that flight. Can I book a different one? You're looking no. at price differences. Flights get delayed. Flights get cancelled. And also... If you're booking the flights and, and the holidays, you're into a whole other area of actually being a travel agent yeah. rather than just providing a retreat package. So oh, really? normal thing <laughs> yeah. like, this is this is the retreat. Uh, here's the recommended flights that you should go and book yourself at the moment. You know, oh, EasyJet have got them for like £99 return on, on these days. Go, go fill your boots. But even you get into a bit of a pickle sometimes even with transfers. So picking people up, like the transfer from the airport, everyone's arriving at all different times. And, and yeah. again... As a retreat leader, you end up thinking, oh, you know, I've got to provide that. I've got to provide. But actually. That's you... something you want to outsource. I can speak from experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're wearing a retreat. You're like, oh, I've only got like, you know, 15, oh, 20 people flying in. If, if half of them want transfers, I, I'm sure me, no. me and someone else could do that. And suddenly like, on the day. You can't do it yourself. You can't so do it yourself. So there's certain elements you want to outsource. Like you don't want to be doing transfer runs to airports and stuff like that. No. Because it sounds great to do all this stuff, but I think those are the main sticking points. So most people are thinking, you know what, I need to organise this plane to take all these people on the bus to do all no, this. No, 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 no. Get them to no. book their flights and the no. travel to and from yes. makes yes, everything exactly. so much easier. It really does. And yeah. here's the thing, you know, you might, again, you might think, oh, when it's your first one, you really do feel like you're going to have to like just give everything because it's your first one and you just want to put it. But you've got to really... It's going to be worse if that bit messes up, actually, not to offer it at all than to really mess it up and get it all off to a really bad start. So do what you do best and outsource the rest. That rhymed. Hmm. <laughs> That's quite good. So I've worked out that it's going to cost uh, $400 for the accommodation. Uh, a yoga instructor's come in from the south of France. I'm going to do some stuff, maybe some catering every now and again, a few other bits. So it's $400. How much should I be actually charging? Should I go, it's $1,000 and make £600 or whatever? Or do you kind of just keep it so it almost breaks even once you know your costs? I think, again, it comes down to like really knowing your customer from the start. You know, what's their price sensitivity? And also, you know, what, what are they used to? paying you for, for your for your services you know if 
if they're paying you, I don't know, like 50 quid a session and they're kind of, because people do the maths in their head. They're like, oh, well, I was getting like eight sessions over this weekend, but hold on, they're charging two grand, 2,400. <laughs> that doesn't seem to add up. Yeah. So it's about knowing that. But so you're not left on a sticky wicket. Again, look at your model. If you're going the model of like you're hiring a venue, so all the outlays on your side, you probably want to start pricing it a bit higher. So you're breaking even on about three or four people coming in, depending on the size, okay. the overall size of the retreat. Yeah. So that, you know, if you end up in that situation where you've got five or six people, you're still making something for yourself. You're not yeah. losing money. Because I can tell you, for experience, there's nothing more disheartening than, than putting something out there and you've got three people and you're running it knowing I'm, I'm losing money here while I'm doing it. So it's about knowing, it's about having your spreadsheets <laughs> in place and knowing your margins and working it out. And again, that's the beauty of the other model with a hotel where you can get it like, I only pay for the rooms I'm using. Mm. Then you kind of avoid that kind of problem. But again, working out the margin you're going to take is, is sensitive to your, knowing your client. Yeah. Okay, so is there a rough estimate then? Say you can facilitate 10 people at the most. Should two people be enough to cover everything and then the rest is profit? No, no I'd say, say about four. four. I'd say about four. Mm. Yeah. And, no, and also, here's the thing. Yeah, I think also what here's where people do go wrong as well sometimes is what we've seen. So you'll have a model, and this is why you have to keep tweaking it and keep like changing it as well. Is like you're when you first start up your retreat, you're gonna have if you're a PT and you're starting your retreat, you're gonna have like loads of your clients coming on your first one, two, three, maybe. But then if you're looking up to like to scale your retreats as well, then you've got to be looking at what do those look like when I'm trying to get new people into the funnel at the top? You know, like, what do they look like? How much are they willing to pay? Like, how am I, How many do I need of those new people to break even? And actually, that's where your profit margins do go up and down a little bit. When you're setting yourself up in even in the first year or two years, you know, those retreats, some will be really full. And then some of them um, won't be because of the time of year, of what's going on in the world, whatever. So actually just having a bit of a buffer as well. So, you know, don't don't go out. What, what I would say is if you have a sellout retreat, please don't go out and like spe just spend all that money. Like really have some of it. Think about scaling it. That's what we're really passionate about is helping people think of the long term, not just this one retreat. If you're looking to grow a retreat business, um, which we thoroughly recommend you do because it's amazing you know have a look at like what you're doing with that money and you know what happens when you've burnt through all of those those clients that you've got and you need to get new ones in when when you need to start investing in facebook ads and blah 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 so that claire takes us perfectly onto the next question was the, ad, the advertising of it so take mm. dk9 uh let's say we've got we've got roughly about 150 160 clients at the minute and say we're doing this retreat and there's 20 spaces and we've got 11 of them committed the rest are not really interested so it just doesn't work out for them i've got nine more spaces to fill how do I get non-clients, people that are already payers, to know about it? How do I convince others? Wow. I think I'm just doing a lot of organic. You know, here's the thing. It's it's a, it's it's not a quick fix, right? And and I know that you'll agree with that. It's like a it's a it's about setting those up and being constantly talking and being across social media um, and making sure that you are posting um, on a regular basis, um, going into groups, sharing your knowledge, partnering with people like partnerships is a great way when you're starting to scale, 
partnering with partnering partnering with different brands um doing different things with different people is really helpful for your like organic reach but facebook ads obviously um but also because i'm a pr girl ex pr girl you know once you've got that set up and you you're confident with it like pr is is still like we get people googling us um well googling fitness retreat or whatever and you know they're like oh we said i've seen you in the telegraph and like when was that from and that's like seven years ago you know so pr pr is does still you do pay a lot for it but it does still have a lot of traction people still look for stuff like that i was gonna say and there are other operators out there like specializing in selling wellness experiences that yes. you can go to and they'll they'll put you on their platform and they'll, they'll take a cut obviously they take a commission but that's another way to fill your places by getting onto a platform mm. of other wellness providers that's what you did didn't it it yeah. really worked for you nice okay so the final question i really have on this then is I'm taking the guys to Marbella, for example, or somewhere like that. Uh, it's all set up. I've got everything planned. It's all going great. Everyone's turned up. Is it okay for me to just get on my phone and start literally recording everything that's happening to create like amazing video of the whole experience? Or should I be quite cautious because people are almost coming to like relax and enjoy themselves and don't want yes. to be like... Hey, how's yes. everything going? We've again Big massive course, mistake. Yeah. We've mistakes we've made, <laughs> like mistakes we've made, and I think you know, in this day and age where everything is filmed, but we just presume, and you shouldn't presume right. that people are okay and comfortable on camera and photographs. So we actually ran an entire retreat at a bit of a lower price one years and years and years ago, purely for press. Purely for press. So we said well, you're going to come on our retreat over in Ibiza for like, you know, uh, half the price, but you've got to sign an agreement that you're okay to be filmed and photographed and everything. Um, and and then we've got that footage, but we do we do ask if yeah. we're taking a photo, we'll always ask. I would say be ask. sensitive, just, just speak to people when they're there, like, do you, do you mind me filming you? Do you mind me taking photos? And obviously if anyone's like, I don't want to be in it, just make sure you don't use those shots because mm. you don't want a headache down and the we've line. We've had that, so, we've yeah. had people say, actually I don't want to be and in those Sometimes people will say it's fine and then they'll see the shot up and they'll like, you going, oh, I don't yeah. like it. Take it down. Yeah. So it's, it's just part of And we have made that mistake, you know, like hands up. I've, I've put, because I do a lot of the social media and years ago, I put some photos up and I hadn't, I hadn't asked. Um, I think I'd asked loosely, but not, there was one person that actually came back and said, can you take that photo down? So, and, and you know, you do feel bad because you think, oh God, I hope I haven't really, you know, lost that person as a client. Luckily we didn't, but you know, you do have to be really, really sensitive, especially with a certain demographic of person as well. Like ours, a lot of ours are midlifers, right? So they're feeling a little bit sensitive about their bodies and stuff at that age as well. So just be sensitive. Okay, so they're the final things I have. Uh, there's a couple of comments coming in from people saying great advice and all that stuff as well. But is there anything that you think maybe I've missed? Obviously, I've never done this before, so I'm kind of asking the questions that I think were important. Is there anything you, as the experts, should think us? Yeah, I mean, I think make sure that, I think, number one, make sure you know your clients, right? So start from that point. Who, who are my clients? Where? What's the experience I want to give them with this? That's the most important thing. So if you get that wrong, if you're, if you're pitching something that's not, not relevant to your clients, it's going to be a non-starter. So really nail that part. Like we're saying, have a discussion with your clients, even think about sending out surveys to them. 
then do your maths, like really do that. Look at, look at a variety of options for, for your venues and different models and really crunch the numbers because yeah. you do not want to be there realising, I have sold we've, eight places, but hold on, I've got my maths wrong and I'm actually making a loss still. What's we've done that, wrong? not that bad, but we've no. done that a bit. You know, we've done a bit of that too. We're like, oh no. We've... Crunch, yeah, <laughs> crunch your numbers, communicate with your clients, make sure you have got all your all your, all your your like liabilities in place. Like, yeah. you know, make sure you've got your proper insurances in place. Yes. Obviously, you're doing parkies, all the stuff you would do as a fit pro anyway but just double down on that make sure everyone has travel insurance particularly in these covid times right because you don't want to be in a situation where you know someone can't come for a medical reason and, and they they're can. like can i get my money back we're actually you're like well that's why you need travel insurance because telling telling us the day before you're due to join the retreat that now you can't come I can't give you your money back. that's what you have travel insurance for so make it's just knowing things like that around the legalities to cover yourself and your clients. And you think they might never happen. Which you think it's going to be a nightmare, yeah. but it's really rare. You know, like it happens once, probably once in a full year of season, you get someone that's like, I can't come for some reason. But people do understand, particularly if it's in your terms and conditions as well. You know, like, well, look, you know, your, your doctor signed you off. So use that sign off to basically claim on your insurance for it. Mm. Mm. I'd say that the things that most most people miss and actually don't think about, even though they have it happens once in a blue moon, you're not, you're not thinking through what some of the the risks are actually most people don't think of the risks and there are actually financially there's quite a few risks there's risk to your brand there's risk like risk to your reputation and um, if you don't handle it right so actually part of what we're teaching people is how to handle some of those things that come up that we've had for the last 11 years that come up you know being prepared for those things is really key because what you don't want to be is like a rabbit caught in the headlights when those things come at you and then I'd say don't underestimate the importance of the food side of things yes. because, you know, if people get bad food, that will really make them grumpy yeah. really fast. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're giving them the best experience in the world with yeah. training and stuff. If, if the food's rubbish, yeah. they're just going to be miserable all the time. Yeah. So those are things. And then, then the last thing is just remember to have fun with it, right? Remember, you're all there to learn and have fun and, and just enjoy it. Yeah. It, is, it is so much fun connecting with people getting people that maybe don't know each other together in a group, yeah. giving them the shared experience and then and then sending them on their way, like feeling that they've, they've learned and grown. Yeah. So it's yeah. a great thing to do. And I'm guessing if it's for like a studio owner like myself or a boot camp or a gym, if you do it as a, a collective of your clients, it builds such a strong oh bond. God, like uh, massive. Yeah. And be so we had, we've got, like an, we've got an online community and a lot of those came to, they'd met online um, and then they came to our retreat in the UK and met met each other all in person. And like they're like lifelong friends now. Like it was so nice to see them having been sweet to each other on on Facebook and in our community, and then meeting each other face yeah. to face. So nice. If you've got a studio or a gym now for your for your clients, it does it does build them into no more of a community. Those ones that go, and then the ones that didn't go on this one will be like, oh man, I really missed yeah. out. I want to get on the next one. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> I think I need to do a fit pro one. I'll speak to you guys and I get all the fit pros to come over. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you think we've missed or we need to know about when it comes to running a retreat to finish? No, no so. just really consider it. Just have the confidence to do it. Um, yeah. Just make sure you've got um, your ducks in a row and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's a really beautiful thing to do. And like the, the world is crying out for people to share their gifts and connect. And it does give you the freedom and flexibility and like an abundance level, you know, an extra income stream that you might not have considered, but you know, get it right and you can, you can make a lot of money doing it. Nice, so if anybody is watching this and they're like, wow, I don't even know where to start or this sounds amazing or I just need to speak to somebody, 
how could people reach out to you and actually take all this knowledge that you have? So if you go to retreat-expert.com, uh, you'll find our info there. And we're actually going to be running a, a five-day free challenge as well, basically taking people through some of these steps, which is, uh, you've got the details. Yeah, it's, um, yeah it's a retreat expert mini course. So we're going to like launch the, the main course by just doing something for five days for free within Facebook, um, sharing like those secrets to setting up and selling out and scaling your retreat. And that's starting on the 28th of February. So, um, yeah, just sign up for that. It'll all be in Facebook and it's completely free. But you can find details of that on uh, retreat-expert.com. Or, yeah, just email us as well. You know, you can always email us like Claire or James, james at 38degreesnorth.com, all written. So that's the name of our retreats business, 38degreesnorth.com. And, yeah, just email James. Guys, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your help today. I'm guessing people who are watching this or listening to this whenever they are, they're probably going back, plus and play, writing those notes down. Oh, that's oh, what I've watching it a few times. But yeah, it's been great having you on. Hopefully we can get you on towards the end of the year and you can share us some uh, winter retreats or something or some yeah, other different topics. Yeah. Love that. David, thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate David, it. David, you're awesome. No thank problem. you so much for having I'll us on. I'll speak to you both soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.